podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back. What a what? What's going on? Yeah, it, it's wild. Uh, I mean, two years in a row. Um, we're gonna get into all of it, but man, like, I'm still shaking. I'm I, buzzing. I, I, I truly. Buzzing. Am. I. It was wild. It, it truly was one of the best and most improbable victories uh, in the history of Case Athletics. It, it's just wild. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Coming back from 21 down on the road against a top five team, coming off a pretty embarrassing loss, I never ever would have expected that. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have either, um, and we didn't. I mean, folks can go back and listen to that preview pod. They could go back and see what we were saying on Twitter. Uh, it's crazy. Before we get into it, uh, we both have some nice caffeinated beverages, and this year they are brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag. You might not be able to go to the games this year, but you can get in on all the action on betonline.ag. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can bet on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads, totals, team, player, coaching props, betonline.ag gives you more options to wager on. Place any bet online from your tablet, mobile, or desktop. Uh, and guess what? I'm just going to go straight into it. Just imagine if you would have bet K-State live money line when they were down 21 with like two minutes left in the third quarter. You probably would have, you'd probably be a millionaire today. I'd be taking us to breakfast right now, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it's it's insane. I think we should just just jump into it. Yeah, let's just jump into it. Second um, time since 2004 that a team that was trailing by 21 plus to an AP top five team came back to win. That's 545 teams. One. One in 545? Yeah. Before that, now it's two. Now it's two. That's wild. Everyone needs to sit back and just listen to that stat one more time. Since 2004, a team trailing by 21 or more to an AP top five team, before yesterday, only one out of 456 teams have done it. 450. Yeah, 445 teams have lost. 445 teams have lost. Now two have won, and we're one of them. That was yesterday. And it wasn't some stupid, we got down 21 nothing early, and then we had the entire game to come back. I mean, what was it? Two minutes left in the third quarter, we were still down by 21 before we so. punched it in? I think it was 35-14, and we punched it in after Deuce's long – or no, that was maybe – Somebody's dying in this house. I don't know what that was. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go back and watch it, which I definitely will. But regardless, I know that it was late in the third quarter and the odds were very stacked against us. So, Oh, yeah. I, I'll have to go back and look at the ESPN uh, game tracker where it shows the percent chance to win at any given moment. I'm some. I'm sure someone has clipped that. It was probably like 98.7% OU win, and we come back and win. Also, and this is, I think, probably being glossed over a little bit because of how big of a comeback that was. We were 28-point underdogs. Yeah, 
That has to be one of the biggest Vegas upsets in K-State history, if not the biggest. We thought last year was big because it was 21 points. I mean, (laughs) 28 points on the road. And again, I I understand pandemic. It wasn't a completely full stadium. But I mean, 25% of 80,000 is still quite a few fans in there. And everything that this team is going through, I mean, we we had like eight starters missing. Yeah, I, it's just wild what they're able to do. Um, another wild thing since 2012, K State has more wins in Norman three than the rest of the conference combined, or maybe it's the same as rest of the conference combined. But still, since 2012, K State has beat Oklahoma three times. Other conference opponents combined, the other eight because they played Texas and Dallas, three. And I bet if we just did like head to head, that oh. probably goes way back. Maybe, I mean. We probably have the most wins. We definitely have the most wins over Oklahoma in, like, probably dating back to when when did we get that first one, the Bill Moses-Snyder game? 93. 93. So going back to 93, I bet you we definitely have more wins over Oklahoma than any other school in the country. It's insane. I mean, and it's just so – it was so unexpected, and that's what makes it so sweet, but – uh, it's crazy. And now Chris Klitsch Kleiman with the second signature win. Yes. Uh, I would call that signature. Um, both games are 100%. Oklahoma. Yeah. Yes. But I, I guess the conversation you could have is, is Mississippi state on the road. A signature was last year's Iowa state game signature. I don't think so. Neither one of those teams were very good last year. Um, also, just real quick, shout out to Mike Leach beating LSU in his first game yeah. in the SEC. It, it's it's funny, you know, SEC can't deal with the spread. Those uh, bastards he put but up no, some numbers. But, but I think I think those are the two big sing- signature wins, and, and you have to you have to start asking yourself, you know, is is Lincoln Riley? Does he have a tattoo on Chris of Chris Common's name on his ass because he owns him? I think it might be time that he gets one. I that, mean, that was a joke f- my dad told me last time on the phone. <laughs> going forward, though, I mean, does this add? I mean, we just had an entire show about how there's not very much animosity between K State and Oklahoma. Now we've possibly derailed their season two years in a row, knocked them off out of the top five. What does this do going forward? Well, I think the animosity, at least on the Oklahoma end, might be there. Uh, who is that? R.J. Young? He sure he sure did not seem pleased with K-State. Um, you know, I, I want to give a shout-out to this guy, D. Lou. He posted over on GoEma.com all the gems from a Sooner message board during their, uh, during their meltdown in the game thread. So um, get over to GoEma.com and check that out because that is some – fine reading and i want to give a shout out to mr d lou himself for taking the time out of his uh saturday afternoon to compile all those gems i think it's going to be there and i think that next year in manhattan there's going to be a little bit more venom from the crimson and cream uh than in years past because fact of the matter when you lose two years in a row as a big time underdog that's going to start chapping lincoln riley that's going to really start chapping ou fans so i think that uh we might be seeing a little rivalry a true rivalry starting to develop there i would love that i I was thinking about this pretty much all last night of like what could possibly be the scenario next season in manhattan and just kind of daydreaming about a boiling atmosphere ou coming in k-state possibly ranked top 25 depending on how our season's looking but 
I mean, you got to feel pretty good about the trajectory of our program, right? I mean, there's going to be some banana peels here and there. It's year two. We saw some banana peels last year, but I think we're in really good hands. Yeah. Truly. Yes, and there's there's some questions later on that I believe we'll touch on this a little bit closer. But when you look at the big-time performers on offense and defense, they were young guys. Again, uh, Skylar Thompson, and we'll talk plenty about Skylar Thompson. He is a senior. I still don't think he's going to come back next year. But, yes, he's a big part of it. But you look throughout rest of the game, you look at guys like Jalen Pickle, you look at Mosey and Deuce, you look at – you know, Sebastian Taylor, he's coming back. He'll be a senior next year. Duke. He had some big moments. Freaking Duke. Wow. I mean, he's a sophomore, and he just took the game over at defensive end. You look at, uh, you know, some of the young linebackers, I thought, uh, well, actually, no. No, there are no young linebackers. Daniel Greenplay, which is good. But you look at the young secondary. Uh, you had uh, Echo Boydo who I, in the back of my head, kind of wrote him off and was like, all right, he's a transfer candidate. Um started in his first game and just made a massive impact. T.J. Smith, T. Denson, Willie Jones all got time yesterday. It was – I mean, it was just amazing to see all these young guys step up. And you do you do allow yourself to daydream and think, you know, what's what's the next, you know, three, four years going to look like under Coach Kleiman? Uh, and I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just super excited. The thing I'm, that I'm really buzzing. stands out to me is just – Yes, we have. We all know. I think that Chris Kleiman's a good coach. I think we have a a pretty solid staff going forward. We like all of our young guys. But what has changed so quickly in just a season and a half is the mentality. And it's like we are not afraid to play anyone. And I do genuinely genuinely believe now that pretty much any given day we could we're ex- we're genuinely expecting to win. And that goes such a long way because I think towards the end of the Snyder era, you could write off so many games where it's just like we're not going to win this game. I know exactly how the game plan's going to go. Um, you know, we might bust out some some special teams plays and keep it close and it could be a fluky win, but like every single game now, it's this is the culture. We're not afraid to play anybody. Our mentality is we are elite. Let's go. Fuck them. Like, it's huge. Yeah. And, that's, and, and that stems down from the top, and I really believe that every single player is going to pretty much expend every last ounce of blood and sweat for that guy, and that is – this is evidence going forward. We've beaten Oklahoma back-to-back years, top five teams. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and it goes back to even Bill Snyder's final year, and I, I'm beyond it. I, I don't want to – dump on Bill Snyder anymore but you saw what happened when you're going against teams that you were outmatched in the final few years of Bill Snyder I don't think that the players legitimately felt like they could win and here's here's the thing the the roster last year mostly were Bill Snyder guys there's still a lot of Bill Snyder guys on this team but coach Kleiman has gotten his own guys in there and he is he really has done a culture change 180 because I don't I don't think the culture was bad I think I think Bill Snyder uh, really did focus on trying to foster an environment of creating good young men and that is very noble but it got to the point where they weren't expecting to win it was getting to the point where fans weren't expecting to win and coach Kleiman came in and honestly I fans are probably the last ones to buy into that culture change but I think it's probably about time we do I mean, we were on this pod. We were previewing the game, and I, I mean, 
we said there's no chance. We said uh, we're not looking for moral victories, but let's keep it close, all this type of stuff. So I think it's time that fans uh, buy into this idea of any given game. It doesn't matter if it's Oklahoma. It doesn't matter who it is. We can win the game. Now, the flip side of that is he still has had those stinkers. And, again, it's to be expected. We said uh, dating back from when he got hired that this year was going to be the one that was going to be tough. But if he gets rid of some of those stinkers, again, I think you could explain away Navy and I think you could explain away Texas. Those were good teams last year. But you get rid of West Virginia, you get rid of Arkansas State this past year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy's probably be getting talked about to be the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, if he doesn't have those losses, and that might be a bit extreme, but I, I think we we got a real one. I think Chris Kleiman's a real one. I agree, and you can see it across the country on Twitter. Everyone is praising Chris Kleiman. A lot of Oklahoma people, the Oklahoma guy that you were talking about, um, that you guest spotted, Just Okay Sports. Shout out to them. I'm sure they're feeling really good this morning. Um, Especially since Texas ended up coming back. <laughs> oh man, the bad conference day. is bizarre. Bad day for Oklahoma fans. Yeah, bad day for Oklahoma fans. But um, it's crazy. I think everyone can see it, and I, I truly believe, and I don't want to get ahead of us or get ahead of ourselves, but I think Chris Kleiman feels pretty well at home at k-state and he's got his boy who's his ad so it's like we may have a really nice situation going for us um and i hope that we can just keep cultivating this success going forward and what a weird game yeah because here's the thing if you if you talk about the formula for k-state to win uh it doesn't include us having all the big plays and oklahoma doing the long sustained drives um, I'll, I'll bounce back. I'm bouncing around a little bit on the timeline, but total yards we got outgained 517 to 400, time of possession 32 to 28. And again, it was big plays for us, not for them. If, if someone would have told you the time of possession, the total yards, total penalties, 13 for 108 for us, 10 for 75 for them, and then the third down numbers, we go two for 11 on third down. Two for two on fourth down. Oklahoma goes seven for 12 on third down, one for two on fourth down. Like, there's no – in your head, you're not saying, no. hey, we get that. Statistically, there's no reason we should have won this game. Particularly that third down stat really stands out to me. Two for 11 on third down. Um, and, God, like, I just felt like our defense was on the field forever. And they played so well. It's It's unbelievable. I'm still speechless. I was surprised when I saw OU only had 32 minutes. I, I thought when I was building this yeah. timeline, it was going to be 38 minutes. But it is wild. Um, let's bounce up to something real quick. Is it concerning to you at all the trend through two games of our third down offense and defense? Where That's a spot last year where we really thrived. Are you thinking, okay, game one, COVID, pandemic, kind of fluky, and then you're playing one of the top teams in the country in game two? Or are you saying, all right, this is this is how it's going to be? I I still think that there's a lot of flukiness going on um, just across the board. I mean, if you look at how everyone is performing right now, it's not very consistently, and it's not um, really lining up with most people's baselines. Um, I've got an ad playing or something on my computer. Um, I don't know. It, it's... It's hard to pinpoint it, but I, I do think that it probably has a lot to do with that. Um, yeah, I mean, 
opening up against Arkansas State, that was one of the flukier games we've seen in a long time. And then going to Oklahoma, that's a, just a, a bad start for a schedule. But um, <sighs> I don't know. I think it's still a little too early. Um, no, did we, we did not play a perfect game yesterday by any means, um, which is the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, how the fuck did we win yesterday? It's insane. But <sighs> I think we're still probably going to see that pattern moving forward. Um, but we'll see. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a little concerned. Um, again, not being able to get off the field on third down and not being able to continue on your own drives is always going to worry me. I think one of the most overlooked things by a novice football fan is how your offense and defense do on third down. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be a little concerned, but again, it's still early on in year. It's still a crazy year. Um, and, and there is going to be some wackiness to this year. Again, we, we just spent some time talking about the praises of Coach Kleiman, but you know we just as easily could turn around and lose to Texas Tech next week. That's just the nature of the beast this year. Um, but you know we also could turn around and have like a perfect third down performance next week. So I, I it's a little concerning. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Um, but, you know, it'll be something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, one last thing in this total game overview, uh, no turnovers for the second straight game and turned them over four times. Um, I think some of the reason why some fans dislike Skylar Thompson is because he's not this Brett Favre gunslinger, uh, maybe pushing the ball downfield, uh, you know, instead of taking the easy throw, instead of the check down, all this type of stuff. But we saw exactly – like, that's how we won the game. I, I saw people complaining. Again, I shouldn't go on message boards. They're stupid. But I saw people complaining that he checked down too often on third down, not going for the deep balls to try to pick up the first down. And then someone said, well, you know, he, he doesn't really turn the ball over much, and we turned them over four times. So maybe maybe he knows what he's doing, and then, of course, everyone just ignores that. I think we see exactly why, uh, you know, Skyler is the type of quarterback he is. We didn't turn the ball over. They turned it over four times. Um, and I think that ultimately, if you were going to point to just one singular thing, I would say the explosive plays by the running backs probably are number one. But I think number two has to be we didn't turn the ball over. Oh, yeah, that's – I mean, anytime you're a big dog, twenty-eight point dog, and you're going on the road, you you got to be able to turn the ball over, and you got to be able to protect the ball. So, pretty clear cut right there. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you want to protect the ball and have a clear cut, get over to Manscaped.com. I tell you what, the Lawnmower 3.0 with their Skin Safe technology is the best offense for your balls. So before we talk about the offense. Let's talk just a little bit more about Manscaped. I'm not wearing them today. I'm going commando. I wore them yesterday. Yeah, I did too. I'm not kidding. The <laughs> the Manscaped.com boxer briefs, not only are they the best, but they are the most comfortable, and apparently they're lucky. So if you want K-State to beat OU next year, make sure everyone goes out and buys a pair of the boxer briefs and wears them when the Sooners come to Manhattan next year. Also, they have the best – ball deodorant in the world i'm not kidding they have natural hydrators and antioxidants to help you with summer swamp ass i'm hoping summer's gone i'm hoping it's fall but i'm just a sweaty dude so i need deodorant for my balls year round so get over to manscaped.com today use the promo code the best promo code in the world 
armchair for 20% off and free shipping. Again, armchair for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Take 2020 by the horn by shaving that front trunk. Let's talk about the offense. Let's start off with Courtney Messingham. So, I, 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 we defended Courtney Messingham quite a bit last week. This is what I'm going to say about the man. His second half game plan, specifically that final drive in the third quarter and fourth quarter, was very good. He got creative, got the ball in the hands of playmakers in space. Dude needs to adjust a little earlier because that first half was pathetic. Agree. Um, yeah, it's like way too conservative um, in the first half. and Just so set on running it between the tackles. Again, yes. it, you, you could see in the first couple drives it just was not working. You have to make adjustments quicker. He's he doesn't make any adjustments until the second half, and usually not even halftime. He 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 waits until halfway through the third quarter, and it worked out. It did work out today. But damn it, it's Courtney, not always going to work not. out. It's and not always it. going to be a fucking second team out of five hundred and forty-five to win. And, and the odds were incredibly stacked against us. I think we, you know, lightning struck for us yesterday. 100%. But it's not going we're not going to be able to overcome 21 point deficits. You've got to be able to adjust. You got to be able to play to your strengths. Get Deuce in the open open field early. I mean, it's just yeah, I I don't get his infatuation with trying to run between the tackles so much because it's like everyone and their mother can see what what this offense is probably going to need to be um and it's not running between the tackles right now, um, especially with Deuce Vaughn. I no. mean, it's, You're not setting it's him beyond up for insane. Like, You're not setting him up for success. It's very silly. Um, I mean, I like some of his play call, and a lot sometimes, you know, it's not all on Messingham. You know, even early on, execution yes, you're, you're has correct. failed him you're correct. Um, a few times where, you know, he's had a great – he's drawn up great, great calls early on, and we just didn't execute or, you know, penalties take us out, and it's – you know that's that's not on him. I mean, maybe a little bit of his is on the coaching staff and kind of drilling that discipline in. But I agree, adjustments need to come a lot quicker, and um, I think play to our identity a little bit better. Yeah, I I agree with you. And again, even though he doesn't like this to be our identity, the identity is now get your playmakers in open space and let Skylar Thompson, you know, distribute the ball to them. Um, I know he wants the identity to be, uh, you know, power run. It's it's just not there yet. Maybe we can get there. Maybe once we show, hey, we're willing to pass first, that's going to open up the box a little bit more. And the offensive line is going to continue to gel. Hopefully we can get there, but we're not there yet. So, agree, you got to make the adjustments earlier. So, let's go position by position. Let's start quarterback. He's our guy, Skylar Thompson. So, 18 of 25, 334 yards. That's a career high for him. One touchdown through the air, completed passes to eight different receivers. I should have said recipients because you know what? <laughs> only a couple receive, only a handful of receivers. Um, three rushing touchdowns, including one where he doesn't skip leg leg day. It looked like he loaded up half of Oklahoma's like defense into a squat rack and just pressed them beyond them and into the end zone. So I loved it. That uh, becomes 
the first K-State quarterback in school history with three AP top 10 victories. After the game, he moved to fifth in career offensive yards, fifth for completions, fifth for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback, seventh for career passing yards, seventh for touchdowns responsible, and eighth for passing touchdowns. Skylar Thompson, what a game. Tell me, what did you take away from Skylar's game? What he lacks in, you know, consistency and, you know, top tier like quarterbacking, he makes up for in sheer will and determination and grit. Um, the dude is he's tough as tough as nails. He will never quit. Um, he wears his heart on his sleeve, and that's what I like about him. Um, and I just I don't know. I I don't get the hate for him. I mean, that's a great stat line: eighteen and twenty-five, three hundred thirty-four yards. Um, literally his best game in a K-State uniform and people are still detracting from it. I don't understand it. Um, but you know, fuck those people. They're going to be that way, I guess. And they can, they can live with themselves. So, um, I thought he played well, you know, still a little bit of, you can nitpick a few things, obviously. Um, just mainly like some accuracy, some, some quick decision making, um, some decision make or lack there, lack of decision making in the pocket, um, and lack of decision-making when he's under center before the play is called. Please tell Briley Moore to back up or <laughs> uh, get those guys in correct formation, and we maybe could have had a couple more touchdowns. But um, pretty pretty overall damn good game, and I feel very good with him being in the driver's seat, and people will not understand how good he was until he's gone. Yeah, I, I, think, I think if you go on a long streak where you don't get a – big time ranked win all of a sudden people are going to think why aren't we doing this well guess what it doesn't happen often at k-state you know and the fact that he has three every year he's played he's gotten one except for his sophomore year which was the final year under bill snyder he's gotten a top 10 ap victory and that is wild i mean he had one throw where he hit Malik in the chest, but again, if it's a more accurate ball, it's a touchdown. What does he do? He turns around, drops in the bucket to Jabashan Taylor, like either a play or two plays later for a touch, or maybe as the next drive. I can't remember. But he throws that ball, Jabashan Taylor, boom. And then the only other play where I think to myself, damn, Skyler, what was that? Was when he <laughs> didn't run the ball. He tried to dump it off to Vaughn. Yeah, that Could have picked crazy. up the first down. Uh, and then, again, you can nitpick, nitpick a couple things. Uh, he snapped the ball a little too early on one of the final drives when we were trying to kill clock. He could have, you know, snapped the ball 10 seconds later. Um, maybe he tells Briley Moore to get off the line or resets the wide receivers. Again, that's something that the tight ends or wide receivers or how it's coached needs to be drilled into them a little more. I'm not trying to put that on him. But at the end of the day, he's a – captain he's a leader and whether folks want to admit or not he's a k-state legend he is a wildcat legend and this game cemented it for me i don't think he needed it for me and i think there's short of winning a big 12 title i don't think he can do enough for some people but when the history of k-state football is written and when this era of k-state football is talked about and when you look at the record books you can't tell that story without skylar thompson and for that he's a legend again he is he going to be a heisman finalist no is he probably going to win the big 12 no he's probably not going to have a chance at getting 10 wins but he might be able to get this team back to the top 25 he has those moments he has the stats he is a legendary player for k-state is he a top five quarterback probably not he's close he's close there but again 
what he's been able to do with the roster that's been constructed around him with three different offensive coordinators, two different head coaches, doing all this weird quarterback battling, never truly being given the keys to a car until his junior year, and he's still able to do all this. And the system that he's in. In that junior year. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. This the, is not a pass-heavy no, it's, it's never offense. been a pass-heavy offense. And, and and that's what makes what he's able to do uh, even more impressive. Uh, I just I, – I, I mean, I, I love the guy. I think he's a great quarterback. And some folks try to say, oh, you know, you guys are in, in the tank, tank for him. Yeah, screw it. I am. I want this guy to succeed. And when he succeeds, that's good for K-State. And the fact that there are some folks who – watch that game yesterday and still say, oh, we want Will Howard or, oh, try to make Carson Kaufman jokes and try to detract from what he's been able to do in big games, big moments, and from his career. It's just disgusting, and it reminds me of the Bruce Weber uh, haters. And, again, I was one of them, so I, I can see I can see through that lens. You get it so in your mind and you want to be right so badly that it almost detracts from – enjoying the game there are people who are trying to say oh that the 2001 usc game the games versus miami were better ones than this and oh the 2012 game versus miami like are you kidding me this was a historic win not just historic for k-state historic for college football and you guys are letting your blind disdain for a college kid affect you celebrating and appreciating that win for what it was get the fuck out of here I wouldn't even put, like, Miami 2011 top 20. I could find 20 better wins than that. Miami sucked ass. They, they finished, sucked like ass six both and years. Six or something. Both yeah, years. They're not good. 2011, or 2001 USC 6-6, six and six, so did we. Like, the fact that That was just, like, an exciting win, and it was surprising. Yes. But, but like, we were 10 times better than they were. Yeah, it, it's just... It's just folks, uh, folks are trying to detract, and, and I, I believe most of the folks trying to detract are... Skyler detractors there are some coach Kleiman detractors because when the game wasn't going well people were calling him Chris Prince on Twitter so <laughs> you have some detractors from Gene from Chris from Skyler and it's and, it, and you're not able to take in and enjoy what was a historic win on the college football landscape because of that get the fuck out of here that's all I have to say it's about just them. that these people are children and they're not able to look at anything objectively or with nuance and if they have anything that they believe in they cannot come off of it because if they do that they look weak in their mind and, which is ridiculous and what's wild is those people who who are like that they use Skyler's emotion to try to detract from him yeah he he is a kid who's fought through so much adversity adversity in his life and folks are trying to be like oh he's too emotional yet you guys are the ones who are trying to uphold two six and six teams playing in the non-conference back in 2001 as a better victory get the fuck out of here those people run the country <laughs> welcome to grant and scott's politics corner no we'll, we'll move on to the offensive line because skyler's awesome and let's talk about the offensive line so still banged up still having to deal with issues with covid and tracing, but we did get our first look at Christian Duffy, who played a lot of left tackle in for Levingston. Noah Johnson was able to play the entire game. Let's focus in on just those two first. Noah Johnson, I think we saw why he was so held up. Again, none of the offensive line play, played perfect, but you can see him anchoring. You can see him leading, and I think you can see why him going out versus Arkansas State was such a big issue. Yeah, he played well, um, did a good job picking up a lot of OU stunts. Um, 
thought he looked good. I thought Christian Duffy looked looked very solid, and they both, particularly Duffy, grew into the game very nicely. And I thought, honestly, the entire line kind of grew into the game as it went. And we, as you mentioned earlier, when we were pass first, maybe we need to kind of lean towards pass first because it allowed the line to progressively kind of grow into the game. And I think, you know, that gave me a little bit of signs of hope and growth and progress. But for a large chunk of the game, um, still very poor entire first half. Um, and I think it's a combination between them not being able to execute and Messingham kind of putting the game plan in the wrong direction. But um, what glaringly sticks out to me is just the mistakes and the penalties. How do we clean up these penalties? That's got to be an easy fix, right? Yeah, I mean, especially since some of them were false starts in a non-hostile environment. Granted, I think, again, watching back to it, there was that Oklahoma player who got called for a defensive delay of game, which means he was trying to simulate the snap count. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to wonder if maybe that didn't continue on. He only got caught once. Um, So you had those uh, false start penalties. I think you had maybe a hold or two. Um, and then, you know, I want to circle back to Duffy. He had a rough first, like, two series. But that second half, he he looks like he should be the left tackle moving forward uh, and make uh, Levingson the now swing guy because I thought Cooper Beebe also had a very good game at right tackle. Excuse me. Um, something I do we do need to talk about, though, Josh Rivas. So, Connor Riley, before the season started, said that this offensive not line needed Josh Rivas not to be good, but to be great, to take that next step. And I still haven't seen it. I, When you watch back to the game, you can see him being a step too slow when he's pulling. You can see him not getting his hands on his defender early. He is I, – I, I don't want to call him a weakling. He still has good moments, but he is not taking that next step. And I, I think it became evident that very first drive – he completely whiffs on a linebacker where it could have been a 20-yard gain for Skylar Thompson. Um, where is your disappointment level with Josh Rivas? Because when he played last year, I mean, he was he played at Pro Football Focus, put him as an All-American. He was one of the best interior linemen in the nation when he played last year. Um, he just isn't at that level so far this year. Yeah, a couple concerning um, plays, especially <laughs> that first one where he looked like he was just in water and that guy just – literally walked around him it looked like but um i, I don't know I, I again i think it's still a little early um we would i would like to him like for him to take some steps forward no doubt about it i think he's probably i mean our at least expected to be our best offensive lineman so definitely some uh, concerning start but i think he again grew into the game he sealed I think it was him who sealed the block on the edge for Skylar to yeah, it, uh run into that touchdown so that was nice of him but going forward, we just need collectively guys got to make a jump, or it will be a long season. I don't know. We're not gonna. We're not. It's not going to. Like I said, the one in five hundred and forty-five. That's we're not going to be able to overcome these mistakes every game. I don't know how the fuck we did it in Norman yesterday, but um, got to be better for us to have a successful season, no doubt. Definitely, OU got one sack, five tackles for a loss, and six quarterback hits. Um, you know, we, we touch on the second half on clutch plays. They were able to make blocks. That, uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn run, the 38-yard touchdown run, that was a greatly blocked play on Skyler's, you know, 
Colin Klein's special quarterback draw touchdown or quarterback power touchdown. Uh, they did that very well. In big moments, they gave him time to uh, you know look around and get the good throw on some of those broken plays where he found Mosey and Vaughn for long pass plays. It's because the offensive line was able to keep him uh, you know upright. So they had some good moments, uh, but there still was just too much bad. Um, so here here's my question. I think we can say it was a step forward. This OU game was a step forward, but was it a big enough step forward for you to uh, be like, all right, I don't have to worry about the offensive line next week? No. I think we're still worrying about the offensive line until Messingham also is able to find a more balanced attack. Um, I think it's well, going to be a struggle. Well, no, it's wild. Sorry, I, I don't. I don't mean to cut you off. So you talk balance attack. It ended up being like basically fifty-fifty play call. But the first like three drives, it was like exclusively yeah. runs, and then we hit we hit a time period where it was almost exclusively pass. It, it, it Messingham, the Messingham experience is an interesting one to say the least. It is, um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying necessarily we should just become a pass-heavy team because we don't have the personnel for that either. But, um, and this is a weird game. I mean, honestly, we're not always going to just be busting 70-yard passes, which it's very rare for us to be doing that. Um, but we grew in it. I don't know. The team grew into the game when we were more pass-heavy. We averaged 6.6 yards per carry in the fourth quarter, which, you know, that's a little bit skewed by Deuce's long run. But, um it just, you know, it's simple. It allows, uh, when when we are having success in the passing game, um, defenses have to respect that, and it opens up the run game. So maybe we should open up the game more balanced and keep people on their toes because when we come out just trying to run between the tackles and doing these short swing passes, um, it's just, it takes us forever to get into the game, and it allows a team to get a jump on us, and we're not always going to be able to overcome that. So, I don't know. I think, yes, definitely going forward, concerning. Still concerned about the offensive line. Still concerned about a lot of the little mistakes, the penalties. Um, but today, we're celebrating. I agree with you. Let's move on to Titans fullbacks. Uh, I don't think we saw Jackson Ean at all. He might have been part of the eight guys who uh, – actually, if, if he wasn't there, that would have been nine guys uh, who were starters or too deep that weren't there. Saw Barta. Uh, very little usage as a whole. I think we uh, weren't. We didn't have too many snaps with fullbacks out there. He didn't have any glaring mistakes, so we'll just keep on cruising past the fullbacks. Uh, Bradley Moore, four catches, 31 yards, had one TD taken off the board due to the illegal formation. And he also missed a big third down block on a quick screen. He did make some blocks, some nice blocks. Sammy Wheeler, one catch for 17 yards. Nick Lenners out of the game. So my question to you is, how much fun is Bradley Moore? I love him. I hope that he sticks around. I don't think he will, but um, I he's, think he's going to play on Sundays next year. Oh yeah, he's looks to have that pedigree. Um, I just think our tight end right now, our tight end game is pretty crucial to us. We've targeted the tight ends I think ten times, and we have nine completions, and that's well, think, a large chunk of I think our it's entire more, completion. I think that's more than that because. Bradley Moore had six last week. Sammy had one last week. Maybe it's Bradley, 11. Bra well, Bradley had four this week. Sammy had one. So that's uh, five five catches this week, and that would have been seven last week, so 12. It's impressive. Uh, yeah. I mean, but when you look at our completions in general, um, wide receivers, 
not very many catches. Yeah, and we'll, we'll but touch we'll on get that. to that. But um, I love Briley Moore. Um, I pray that he some for some weird reason sticks around. He won't, but he is really good, and it's unfortunate that we can't watch him in person and be able to give him that appreciation that he deserves because he's really fun and it's probably the best tight end I've seen in a K-State uniform in a really long time. I maybe mean, ever. Maybe ever. He's legitimately like I mean, got incredible hands and he's athletic as hell. He's fun. I'm going to say this right now. I hope the uh, Chiefs get him late in the, or in the mid-draft next year uh, because, you know what, Travis Kelsey isn't going to be around forever and I think Bradley Moore – is uh, he's not Travis Kelsey? I'm not trying to say that, but he he is a similar style, though. Yeah, but I mean, he's not as good. But, no, obviously. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but he's he's a, he he can be a legitimate NFL player. So it's exciting to have him around. And then it is good that this year, because again, we've seen Nick Lenners. Uh, you know, he missed one game already. Sammy Wheeler, while he's making plays, he's still getting back into the swing of things. Uh, after last year, and you have so many young tight ends in the program right now, too. It is very nice that we are able to pick him up for this year, show tight end recruits what we want to be able to do. So hopefully he is just the beginning of what is a really fun run for K-State tight ends. Yes, I hope so. Also, man, so I know it got called back, but on his <sighs> – yeah. so on that play, did you see he easily could have gotten to the pylon. He was he slowing was, down. He was slowing <laughs> down and looking for the OU player. He either wanted to truck stick him or jump over him. The fact that that had to get called back hurts me to my very soul. I was – yeah, I was freaking out too. I was like too. beating on my chest. I was like, fuck you, Brian Moore. Then it gets called back, and I was depressed. I was depressed too. So. And then I was like – Fuck field goal! Oh my god, I'm freaking out. I couldn't. I didn't think that was going in, but we'll talk. We'll talk about that in a bit. Let's let's get to running backs. This is this is like where the real fun is. The bread and butter, baby. Deuce Vaughn led the team in rushing and receiving. He became the first running back in over a hundred years to have a hundred yard receiving game, which shocked me when I heard that on the post game radio. What? Yes, that can't be right. Okay, well, first you, running back in Stan over a hundred years to have a hundred-yard receiving game. Are you calling Stan Weber a liar? Not yet. That's shocking. If that's, I mean, obviously that's probably true. I mean, I don't think Stan Weber would lie to me. But Darren, I don't know. That's crazy. I mean, I mean wow, that's like a hell of an achievement, um, yeah, considering the type of players that we've had in the past and how we sometimes like to target those running backs. But uh, that's fucking insane. Deuce Vaughn is amazing. I love him. He's so much I, – I thought – I didn't think last week was like a flash in the pan or two weeks ago was a flash in the pan. You could obviously see that he had like some talent, but um, I did not expect this. He is so much stronger than you would imagine. Oh, yeah, strong. And then, again, how good he is with his hands is amazing. That – and, again – not to go back on my Skylar rant, but that throw he had to him was a million times better than the throw to Jackson because he fit it right in between two defenders. It wasn't, hey, let me lob it over one guy and stop him before he gets obliterated like Will Howard had to Jax. It was a perfect strike, in stride, and then Deuce just fucking took off. I love Deuce Vaughn so much. And he's like, when you hear him speak, he's like a 100-year-old monk like in an 18-year-old's body. He's so wise. Yeah, it, he is wise, and I think it comes back from his dad is like an NFL scout for the like Cowboys. It's it's the stupid oh, coach's son, yada yada yada. But you can tell this guy, this guy knows how to prepare for a game, and he's just he's just next level. What what do you think this guy can turn into? 
He, oh, man, that's a hell of a question. Um, yeah, I don't expect. Well, first of all, I think he should turn into the running back number one. I mean, that is no doubt about it. He is maybe our best weapon on offense right now, um, just two games into the season, which is remarkable, something I would have never expected. Um, but it's really exciting, and who knows? I mean, <laughs> with he's got an extra year. He's only a freshman. I think he could become top three. He could be a top three running back at K-State, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, he's going to get a shitload of carries see, over I, his career. See, that's where I actually I differ think, with you. Well, he could become well, a top three like weapon. Well, no, yeah, no, no. I, I'm not saying he won't be a top three running back, but I don't think he's going to get a shit ton of carries. That's because, yeah. That's what I kind of just dialed back be, on immediately because he's. I mean, we want to get him. We want to use him elsewhere. I think. Uh, well, not only that, but everyone wants to say Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles. Here's the thing: he's still two or three inches shorter than Darren Sproles, and he's at least forty yeah. pounds. Darren Sproles was one ninety. Yeah, Darren Sproles literally was. Like he was called five, the little tank yeah, for a reason. Yes, and and Vaughn is not a tank. He is truly a jitterbug, and I I think if he stays healthy, I I don't have qualms about him becoming like the all-purpose type guy. You know, he, yeah, he he could be an all-American. I'm not trying to take away from what Deuce Vaughn can be for K State. But I do want to pump the brakes on, and he can be quote unquote running back one. But at the end of the day, especially with the way Messingham seemingly continues to want to run the offense, he's never going to be a guy who I think is going to be having 15, 20 carries a game. And I don't want him to be. I, I want that to be right. I, I want him to be around 12 touches a game. I like his touches right now. Yeah. Uh, because it limits the idea, the chances he's going to get hurt. It limits, uh, you know, just the downside to his current body. Um, so I continue to use him like he is now. And in that trajectory will take him to being a legend, to being an all American. His ceiling is still all there. I just want to have a understanding of what his role should be. And I think that we will, he will grow into that. Yes, um, and yes. It's only two games into his career and he's made quite a splash, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. His, he's absolutely tiny, so giving him 15 to 20 carries a game is probably not wise. But, um, shit, he looks like he can take a – he can take hits. Yes. That man is strong, I just, and it's crazy. I just crazy. don't want him to take 15. I don't either, and I don't think I don't think he will. Um, but – and that's not how this offense operates anyways. I mean, we know that going forward. And I think um, a guy that I would love to be the – in between the tackles, ball carrier is Jacardia Wright. That guy is enormous. Well, and what he the only, hell? Is he that big yeah. last year? Yeah. I, well, I think he gained some weight, but he was big last year. He only had one rush for six yards. It was a big play. It was down near the red zone. Again, I, th I think he's getting out of the doghouse, but yeah. um, I, I'm going to jump ahead on the outline a little bit. Keon Mosey, just real quick, one catch, 78 yards. Again, massive matchup issue moving forward for uh, other teams. Uh, Tyler Burns, three rushes, seven yards, had one catch. No trotter. I believe he has COVID or is out due to contract tracing. So let's let's talk about the future. First, two questions to you. One, how big of a matchup issue is Mosey and Vaughn going to be for defenses? Because they are small, they are quick, they they both look tough, but they're hands. They, they have better hands, quite frankly, than Malik <laughs> Knowles. So first question. How much of a matchup, matchup issue are those two going to be for the next four years? And then the next one, with 
Jacardier Wright, what do you want to see the rotation be like for the remainder of this year? Because, again, we still have Joe Irvin and, uh, oh, we had one other freshman running back opt out. You still have some of these guys around in the program. Uh, so the future at running back is bright. But for the rest of this year, how do you want to see the touches distributed amongst running backs? I'll start with the second one first. Um, it's hard to say still um, because I feel like we don't know a lot about Jacardier, right? I want – I I have him on like a a pedestal that probably is not warranted. Um, I feel like we've seen flashes from him, and what I've seen I like, and I like his body type. Um, but like in an ideal world, if they're both healthy, if they both are up to speed, I would love to see a tandem of like um, – Deuce Vaughn and Jacardier Wright. I think that would be an amazing one-two punch. Um, Jacardier Wright with the power downfield running and Deuce Vaughn with the jitterbug and shiftiness. And then I think, I mean, Keon Mosey, I think, could slip into that. He's kind of a hybrid of the two. He's a little bit bigger, um, probably stronger than Vaughn, um, probably has a similar speed and shiftiness. But um, that's probably what I want to see. Um, I'm, <laughs> I feel bad, but it's like, I really don't th – I think you should play your best players, and I think our best players are younger uh, on the depth chart. I think Harry Trotter is a serviceable back. Um, you know, he doesn't make mistakes. He's a pretty strong runner, but he's not going to be making – he doesn't have the big playability that the other guys have, and I just think he should be lower on the depth chart. But um, that's nothing against Harry Trotter. I just think that those guys are better players than he is. So I hope moving forward we do that. And then as far as – matchup problems going forward mosey and uh vaughn well shit we already know what kind of a matchup problem deuce vaughn is that guy has potential to be you know one of the most dangerous guys in the conference and that's saying something for a conference that is very pass heavy very offense heavy um he's just looks like an absolute stud i think it's a little early for keon mosey but i mean you saw what he did he he pulled away from that linebacker like it was nothing. He showed a lot of strength in that stiff arm, and I think he was unlucky. I think he maybe if he would have cut back, that mm -hmm. could have been a touchdown. But, um, yeah, he's got the speed. We have genuine weapons at the skill position, and if we use them correctly, I think going forward we could really do some damage. Yep, I agree with what you said. Uh, let's move into wide receivers. Sebastian Taylor I think is the true number one of this offense. Had two massive catches. Uh, one or for 45 yards one of them was a touchdown had one that I think he could have brought in but you know we won so we're not going to harp on it Philip Brooks two catches for 23 yards Viking Gill's kind of the security catch guy three catches on dump offs for nine yards Youngblood one carry three yards Knowles one carry uh, three yards uh, ignore that next point that I had on there so first question do you think that it is now an established fact that Sebastian Taylor is wide receiver one? I think so. I mean, it looks to be that that is Skyler's most comfortable target, I guess, in of terms the wide of receivers. yes, of the mm -hmm. wide receivers. Um, and you know, simply put, he's making the plays um, that the other receivers are not. And you know, I'm alluding to Malik Knowles. Um, going into the season, we thought Malik was the number one guy for obvious reasons. I, mean, I thought there was a chance Malik Knowles might leave for the NFL draft after this. You know, he, he had a big year. Yeah, I mean, he showed a ceiling last year that looked like this could be an all-Big 12. This could be a hell of a player. And, you know, he's just not 
he hasn't showed up so far. Um, he, and he showed that two weeks ago that he's got that like ridiculous ability with that one-handed catch, but he's just not consistent enough. Um, and seemed to be banged up as well, so it's like it's really frustrating. Um, and Skyler, this is another one that this is like the one thing that really stood out to me was Skyler. It's like if he hits him in stride on that play, mm-hmm. that's a touchdown, and, a touchdown, and you yeah. need to be able to do that because what. I thought at that time was this team has no fucking margin for error, and we're, we're not gonna, we have to make those plays. We're not going to come back. It's Oklahoma, and then what do we do? We come back and we win on the road. But um, yeah, for me, Trevastian's he he looks to be a completely different player. I mean, he is a completely different player. I don't know where this guy came from, but I'd love to see it. He's only a junior. He's got an extra year if he wants it. Um, I think you know. So far, the trajectory is only up, and he's he's got to be a TD or Q, bleh, wide receiver one at this point. And he made a great play going up. He went up and got the ball. I thought it was a little bit underthrown, um, but came down with it. Touchdown, hell of a play. He's had a, a great start to the season. What, so what do you expect from the wide receiver core moving forward? It was Youngblood's first game back after missing some time. First game back for Viking Gill after missing some time. Um, so I, I'm not overly worried about those guys, but I, I think my concern is real with Malik Knowles, and it, it is a little odd to have those concerns. And, again, I'm hoping Youngblood and Gill get into the swing of things because we were – I mean, you know, we were talking about how sneaky good the wide receiver core might be. Um, so I, I have a little concern. But, again, that secondary for Oklahoma is the real deal. Um, so I think that's kind of why we had to exploit, you know, the running backs out of the backfield and Briley Moore to, you know, pick up the big plays. Am I wrong in anything I said, or where's your head at with the wide receivers? No, I think that's a pretty fair judgment. And I think going forward, I mean, so far they look to be a serviceable core. Um, and I think, you know, I think Malik Knowles is talented and that's going to catch up with him. Um, I don't know what his deal has been, um, He's they're just he's just not on the same page with Skyler right now, and he's he's not making simple catches, which is annoying. But I think that that uh, I think he's talented enough that you know he's going to be making an impact. And Wyking Gill and Philip Brooks kind of look like the same you know type of players that they were last year. They're serviceable guys. They're not going to be game breakers. Um, I would like one of them. I can't remember. I just feel like they're the same player to me. But uh, they need to get to the sticks better. Um, especially on crucial third downs. Um, but, you know, they didn't have, like, last year they dropped a lot of passes. So far we haven't seen that from them, those guys particularly. So, I mean, if they can kind of be that safety net, um, Dalton Schoen type of player, um, that would be great going forward. They're, they're experienced guys. And I think, I mean, I, I feel pretty good about the wide receiver um, unit. It's just... I think, I think um, Deuce Vaughn and, you know, Keon Mosey, it's nice to have those guys to kind of offset it, and that's going to open things up for them later, I, the, the whole unit as a whole. But um, it's nice to have Jabashan Taylor peeking his head, you know, out of the water and, and taking a huge step forward because we need that. Yeah, I agree with you on all that. I, I, I will say if, if Youngblood and Knowles could get to where we hoped they would be and then you still had Gill and Phillip Brooks being who they are, they don't have to change. They could just be who they are. I think you could legitimately see this team turn into a spread them out, throw it 40 times a game type team. 
um, if we wanted to. I don't think we want to, uh, but without those guys stepping up, I don't. I, I mean, we wouldn't be. That wouldn't be something that we'd be able to even if Mess had a stroke and decided he wanted to. So let's move on to the defense. Um, let's talk about Coach Klanderman. He caught a lot of heat uh, last week. I guess it would be two weeks ago and all of last week. Um, did you think he called a better game this week? And what, what did you think about uh, the defense as a whole before we get into the individual position groups? Um, man. I think he, I mean, you have to say he called a pretty decent game, right? I mean, we did a damn solid job keeping Oklahoma at bay on the road. Only 35 um, points? 35 points. Um, you know, we forced some turnovers. Four. Damn, it's impressive. But overall, I think what stood out to me the most is I think he brought pressure at the wrong times. Um or not enough pressure. But uh, third down is definitely concerning to me. Um, that's kind of a pattern we've seen now two games in a row, and you just can't do that. Um, and it maybe it's – I mean, the numbers are definitely bad, and it's we're coming from being an elite third down defense, so maybe that stings a little bit more. But we cannot be giving up. It's again. It's a miracle that we won yesterday with all the law with the percentage of third downs that we gave up and allowing Oklahoma to stay on the field so long. Um, that's something I would like to see change. Um, and I don't know if it's just a scheme thing or if it's just we're not getting pressure. I don't know. But that's my biggest concern. What do you think about the overall game call? From Clando. Yeah, I think it was fine. I think uh, specifically there, it was on the fourth down play where he stacked the linebackers right on top of the center. I think uh, that was a really good play. We saw Oklahoma not uh, successfully call a third or fourth down defense when it come, came to a quarterback sneak. I think he brought more pressure, but still not enough. I think that all stems back to him not being confident in the safeties and coverage. Um, but I, I think there's room for improvement and third down. I said earlier, it is a little concerning. Um, I'd like to see what we do for the next two games versus tech and TCU, definitely capable offenses, but not as good as Oklahoma. Um, and hopefully we're getting to a point where we'll be healthier and he'll have his full complement of guys. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, uh, move on to the defensive line. Eli Huggins was out, uh, one for contract tracing. When I saw that come through on Twitter before the game started, I was depressed because he had a <laughs> very good game versus Arkansas state. Um, but they had guys, uh, step up first, Jalen pickle, massive game, four tackles, QB hurry. And I believe he got a deflection that led to that first INT. Yes, he did. He was not credited with a pass breakup on ESPN stats, but he got it. Uh, Khalid Duke, my God, nine tackles, one tackle for a loss. Quarterback hurry had a great sack that was negated by a penalty. Um, I'm buying into the hype big time. Drew Wiley, another good game, four tackles, one tackle for a loss. Boom Massey, sack and tackle for loss coming in crunch time. I love seeing that. I think Boom is a guy who had a big ceiling, hasn't quite lived up to his potential, but he's had those big moments. Uh, Kamari Gaines, one, two tackles, one tackle for loss and a sack. Robert Hentz got a sack. Spencer Trestle, some playing time, a little bit of quarterback pressure, no actual tackles. But for the second straight game, and I want to start off with this, White Hubert has only one tackle. It was a sack. He did get a little bit more quarterback hurries than last week, but he wasn't credited with a quarterback hit. Um, but he had some stupid penalties, uh, 
15 yard roughing the passer, just smacking him in the head. Everyone knows you can't do that. Got a stupid holding penalty, jumped off sides. Uh, again, seems to be only only going for pass rush every single time, uh, not even worrying about the run, which makes me think that that is what he's been directed to do because I just have a hard time believing that the coaches wouldn't just completely pull him and sit him for the way he played against the run. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to guess that for whatever reason yeah. they think that it's smart to basically have him sell out to go after the quarterback the entire time. Let's start with Wyatt Hubert. What are your thoughts on that game? I'm worried about him. I'm disappointed. Uh, I think he's bought into his own hype a little bit. He's been incredibly undisciplined two games in a row now. And, yeah, he's taking these ridiculous angles that are opening up just gaping running lanes that I don't – I mean, I it's, – it's baffling because I agree with you. I can't imagine that the coaches would just – be allowing that to go on if they weren't wanting that from him but that's it's baffling because it's one it's not working and two it's just a detriment to the line I mean it truly does open up a wide running lane for them for anyone to run through so I don't really understand and it's I don't know it's it makes it easy to defend too I feel like if he's doing the same fucking thing every single time um from like a stand-up jet rush position it it's I don't get it. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, he's got to clean clean his game up quite a bit. Um, I don't know because he's still he's got the he's got the tangibles to be an excellent defensive end. So it's frustrating. I hope we can see that change going forward. I I don't really understand what he's doing right now. Yeah, I think he went from being preseason best player on the team to being the fourth best defensive end through two games. Yeah, um, but hey, let's talk about some positives. Khalid Um, Duke, Duke, I buy the hype. My Um, God. Nine tackles from a defensive end position is wild in today's college football. The speed that he um, exhibited yesterday to track down people is very exciting. I mean, he could be yeah, I I buy the hype. I really do. Um, He should be playing 80 percent of the snaps now i get him on the field no doubt about it yeah i agree with you nine tackles one tackle for a loss two quarterback race again that sack again white hubert had the uh pass interference or holding call that negated it but just manhandled and he's shown different ways to do it he can bull rush he can swim he can do the jet outside package he can rip inside he's the real deal and if Hubert ever wakes up or if between Boom Massey and Gainus take that other side, I mean, this is a salty defensive line because we're starting to see some depth. Uh, let, let's switch up to Jalen Pickle, his first real playing time, and he starts. And he's another guy, him with Echo, and we'll talk about Echo a little later. He was a transfer candidate in my mind, but he comes out and he was he was a beast. He is like the type of dude that you want to see in the middle of your defensive line. How impressed were you with Pickles' game? I was very impressed um, from the get go. Especially, I love. There's nothing I love more than a tipped pick when a D lineman gets his hands up, and yeah, he was a presence pretty much all game. He had four tackles, um, pretty much commanded that inside pretty well. So I think. Um, yeah, it feels good going forward because that was a huge question mark going forward, the inside of the or the interior defensive line. And um, it looks like we may have a little more depth than we thought. Um, maybe, maybe this COVID stuff could be a blessing in some spots. I mean, I, who's the corner? 
Echo Boido. Echo Boido. Yeah. Um, you know, he may have never, like you said, these guys could have been transfer candidates, and these guys may have never gotten their chance. And now, thanks to COVID and a weird twist of events, we have. I'm gonna have to shut this window. It's pouring. Yeah. You go ahead and uh. shut, shut it. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Drew Wiley again. Just another solid game from him. I think that an underrated loss from last year's team was going to be midi. Uh, but between Drew Wiley and both his games, Eli Huggins in that first game, and now seeing Jalen Pickle, um, I'm starting to feel a little bit more confidence. Robert Hentz also got a tackle. Um didn't see much Derek Newton, but I, I think that there are some dudes there. So it's a matter of them buying in and continuing to practice their craft and uh, just buy in. I think that we have some players there, and it's going to rain down on defenses like it is on us right now. It's exciting. It's exciting. Um, did we did we move into the linebackers? Yeah, let's just move into linebackers. Uh, Justin Hughes had 10 tackles, and I think that he's starting – I feel like every quarter, starting quarter one to quarter four he's uh, of OU, he's starting to get better. But, again, he's getting those ten tackles, and he's just the type of guy. And yes, he missed one, and I, I think he had one or two big hits, but it's not, uh, not the highlight hits every single time. But he's a guy who you just depend on, and he knows where to be. And, again, once he trusts his knee completely, I think by the end of the year, you're going to see the Justin Hughes that we saw versus KU a couple years ago where he's in the backfield every time making all the plays from linebacker. Um, I'm very bullish on what the next eight games could mean for Justin Hughes. Yeah, he's definitely the heart of our defense. Um, he's That experience is, is showing pretty much every time he's on the field. And, yeah, the ACL is one of, like, the hardest um, – things to come back from usually takes like two years to actually get your speed back and I think he I mean he looks like he's close and I would agree with you it's it just he's growing into the game slowly each time he gets on the field and I'm a little worried about what's behind him but um, I feel pretty comfortable with uh, Hughes and Sullivan on the field at any given time yep Sullivan made four tackles and he got that interception again I thought it was another solid good I thought he was going to drop that I did too I'm glad he held on. Um, I got to say for, for Sullivan, again, there's still eight games. I was hoping he was going to be a little bit more dominant. I was Because I think if you go back to some of our early shows, I was like, yeah, you know, play, play your way onto draft boards for Elijah Sullivan. I don't think he was – I don't think he's there yet, but he's been solid. I think he goes needs to go back to number three. Yeah, well, man, maybe he does. Maybe he does. Um, Daniel Green, he was rumored as being one of the guys who wasn't going to uh, suit up. He, he got in. He got one tackle. Cody Fletcher, three tackles. He had some hit sticks I think he played fine but the fact that awesome more he got a tackle and he was fine but again I don't like having to play walk-ons at linebacker that's like the one spot like I think probably above almost anything on the field that I I don't like playing walk-ons he, he was fine but but it does make you you know you know wonder okay you know is the depth there you're bringing in a lot of linebackers in this class luckily Daniel Green uh, as long as he stays healthy he's still just technically a sophomore so what do you take away from the linebackers as a whole and uh, let's just put on your cap um, how how hard are you trying to convince at least one of Sullivan <laughs> Hughes or even Fletcher to stick around for next year maybe Kind of hard. I, they, I, I feel like it wouldn't be that hard to convince maybe Sullivan to stick around for one more year because he lost an entire year, and this is 
such a shitty year to come back and end your career on. So maybe. Maybe um, Hughes says if Sullivan stays, I stay. I mean, maybe. Seventh-year players? Maybe. That would be very cool. They're like 30 years old. Um, doctorates. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's – those are the two positives right now. It's like we've got two experienced, reliable, you know, fairly talented linebackers that I feel comfortable being in that position at any given time. But the negatives are there's massive question marks behind them going forward. So, um, yeah, I might be trying pretty hard to convince those guys to stick around just for one more year while we can allow those younger guys to kind of grow into their uh, position and develop more um, because we will have huge gaps at linebacker next year if they both leave and – it definitely worries me um, going forward. I think Daniel Green eventually, you know, he's going to, and if 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 that's who, you know, the guy, if he's first up on on the linebacker sheet and he's playing every game, like and getting that many snaps, then you know he'll probably grow into his position pretty quickly. I think he's got the talent for that, but it's definitely a worry going forward. Yep. Uh, so let's get into the secondary. Uh, this was the spot hit most with COVID. Uh, Lance Robinson, Keandre Thomas, both out at cornerback. Ryan Hennington was out. Wayne Jones played, but you could tell he was on a very strict snap count. I'll be honest, I I kind of wish he wasn't playing. I mean, scary neck neck injury. Coming yeah, that's back surprising. From a concussion. Um, I I I truly I, I believe that the coaching staff and the medical staff have. I, I trust them. I don't think they were going to rush him back if he wasn't truly medically cleared. But that was surprising. Definitely surprising. He did have an extra week off, um, but, yeah, definitely surprising. He must have, you know, passed, obviously, all of the concussion protocols. Um, but, yeah, it's we're very lucky that he was able to pretty much walk away from what looked like uh, I thought it was paralyzed. terrible injury with nothing and play two weeks later at, you know, the biggest game of the year. It's crazy. Um, I mean, so I'm he, happy for him in that He's regard. an Oklahoma kid. He so I think he really kid. wanted to get out there. So uh, the starting cornerbacks and Nichols. So Echo Boydo gets his first start, and he was opposite of Justin Gardner, the Juco project. And then A.J. Parker, the other Oklahoma kid, slid in and played nickel. What did you think about uh, that and having A.J. Parker slide inside instead of rolling with Willie Jones to start? I liked it. Um, it seemed to work fairly well. And the uh, – corners showed that you know they can hang and that's exciting I mean that has to be incredibly good for your confidence coming out of of that um being a guy that especially for Echo Boydo a guy that like he said is a transfer candidate possibly and to come out of the Oklahoma game with a win and he was lined up with Mims often oh yeah who yeah. looks to be maybe the next Big 12 great. Um, that guy is going to be He's insane. He's very good. And and Echo held his own in his first, like, true meaningful snaps. And he kept him at bay for the most part. Um, sorry, I thought we were going to get a huge yeah, thunder there. We uh, <laughs> it's pouring over here. But, I mean, it's it's encouraging going forward, no doubt about it. I mean, what a turnaround from week one where we thought – Jesus, the secondary looks like it's drowning out there, and we throw in guys that are behind those guys and come out somehow on top against the best passing team in the Big 12. So um, only positives really coming out of yesterday. I think there's – and I like AJ, I liked A.J. Parker at nickel. I mean I, – I think it works mainly because Oklahoma is rolling out deep with – 
even their slot guys are, you know, in their six foot. I, I think, <laughs> I think Willie Jones should be the nickel moving forward. Um, I think you might see something like that versus Texas as well, but I, I think I, I I think it worked for this game. And Willie Jones still got in there. And I think he played well when he, he when he was out there. Um, but again, I just have so much praise for Echo Boydo and Justin Gardner, who Justin Gardner quite frankly got dunked on a couple times last week, and he held his own this weekend. But let, let's not let's not try to make this into something it wasn't. We still gave up a lot of yards, but we were able to keep them in front of us for the most part. And a lot, of, but a lot of the big plays came when they had good coverage early on, and Spencer Radler had to scramble around and make something happen. And again, I, I don't think you can expect our corners and safeties to stick with Oklahoma's receivers for seven seconds on one of these scramble drill plays. Cause no. that's where, where they had their most success is I mean, when you don't, you can't expect anyone really to, um, I could. Okay. <laughs> but you know, I, those are the types of plays that are like incredibly difficult for a secondary when you've got a, a mobile and incredibly talented quarterback who can put it on a string. Um, when the play breaks down, it's very hard for, for the secondary to, stay disciplined and, and track wide receivers. But um, just want to say a fantastic interception from Justin Gardner. He tracked the wide receiver the entire time, turned, met the ball at the highest point, and came down with it. That was a great play. Yeah, I agree with you. Talk about big plays. J-Mac, Jaron McFer- McPherson, or McPherson. I, I've heard it both ways, but J-Mac. That's why everyone calls him J-Mac. Led the team with 11 tackles, one tackle for a loss, forced fumble, with one of the best and hardest hits I've seen in a long time and a pick. I mean, how big was his game and how lucky were we that he was able to come back from his injury in the Arkansas State game? Yeah, he played He played great. Um, I'm so glad that, that he did force that fumble. Or did he force a fumble? Yeah, oh, yeah, he, that, he was a that, huge, that was a boom, great play. And the then he also, also had a uh, big forced uh, pass drop, yes, which I was like, break how the yeah. fuck are they not dropping anything? Like, yeah. I mean, he – Throws it across the middle and just drills a guy in the ribs, and he somehow comes up with it. But luckily, yeah, he didn't. I mean, if he wasn't there making that hit, that guy does catch that. Um, he played great, um, had the game-sealing interception. Um, that fumble was huge, though. Absolutely drilled him, and that caught me way off guard. Yeah, it was like the perfect hit. Yeah, it was. It was great. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping hoping to see more of that from J-Mac. Um, just an all-around very solid performance from the secondary Um very, very happy for those guys coming out of a, a difficult game one where they were getting a lot of uh, warranted flack, but um, hopefully that does a lot for their confidence going forward. Yep, uh, A.J. Parker got eight tackles while playing inside with one pass breakup. You said earlier you like him playing inside at that role. Um, or I, I put my opinion out there. I said in most games I would still want Willie Jones there and him playing on the outside. Do you hold that opinion? Would you prefer – AJ Parker switch inside for rest of the season, and then you have Echo, you have Gardner, you have Lance Robinson, you have uh, who am I blanking on? There's another corner. Oh, Keandre Thomas. You have those other guys on the outside. Uh, do do you want to roll with that moving forward, or do you want to slide AJ Parker back to the outside next week? Well, I mean, I think he will be slid back to the outside. I mean, I think we see him as our best corner, and you probably want to have your best corner in his preferred position. Um, but I think it will depend just on our numbers, one, and I think it will depend on the opponent. So we'll see. Echo Bordeaux, we've already heaped praise on him. Five tackles, one pass breakup. Again, 
goes from transfer candidate to having almost a borderline cult hero type of game. Um, it is fun to see those guys at corner, at least the backups have the athletic ability. And I think that's what stands out when you look at corner versus safety, the guys deeper on the depth chart corner, they look like they belong. Yeah, I agree. Um, loved echo Boydo. He's got an amazing name. He's got some nice speed to him. Um, Excited for him going forward. I'm really glad he got the chance. Yep. Ross Edler had six tackles, wasn't able last game. Um, I think he's a he's definitely an improvement over Hennington and Monty, but is he enough? I don't know. <laughs> I really was hoping we were going to see more Tyron Lewis. I think he got out there, didn't register any stats, but um, I'm, I'm hoping he's getting closer to being a contributor. Yeah. Um, Justin Gardner, three tackles in that great pick. Yeah. Willie Jones, three tackles. Wayne Jones, two tackles. Shocked to see Wayne Jones out there, genuinely. TJ Smith, um, two tackles. I like him. He's got some energy to him. He's yeah. a jawy little guy. Oh, yeah, he likes the jaw. He likes the jaw. Love the number seven. Yes, I love the number seven. Stud T. Denson got a tackle. Also, another, another walk-on safety had to play. Hunter Henry he got a tackle out there. Um, so, just as a whole – uh, DB performance before we move on to special teams. Um, big improvement over last week. I think corners in nickel, I feel good, but still a lot to be desired from the safety, whoever it is, opposite of uh, J-Mac. Hopefully Wayne Jones gets healthy. Hopefully. Uh, um, I, overall, I think it was, I mean, how can you really complain <laughs> coming after that? Uh, we did enough to keep Oklahoma at bay. 35 points. Um, With none in the fourth quarter. None in the fourth quarter. It was a classic bend, don't break, K-State secondary. Um, it's good stuff. I thought they played well, and um, I'm proud of them. I'm excited for them. I'm proud of them as well. Note I'm also proud of the special team. And this year, the special teams review is brought to you by the special team at Kansas City Direct Primary Care. KCDPC offers high-quality primary care at an affordable monthly rate regardless of insurance status with no copays or hidden fees. Dr. Short realizes this audience is mainly men, so let's get down to brass tacks. A lot of men feel like they don't need a doctor or avoid going, but will spend the money on expensive hair loss and erectile dysfunction services like Hems, Keeps, or Blue Chew. A membership at KCDPC costs the same or less than these services while providing the same medications at much lower prices. Most importantly, Dr. Short is also a board-certified primary care physician who can treat a wide spectrum of illnesses and diseases. He can even take off that weird mole on your back. I don't know how he knew I had a weird mole. But... KC DPC is excited to announce a bonehead special for a hundred or a hundred dollars off of vasectomy package. And yes, the pun is intended there. A fresh cut of the vast deference pairs perfectly with a fresh cut from the lawnmower 3.0. This is a limited time offer for boneheads only. Visit them at KCDPC.com or call 913-730-0331 for more information. Also, I said it last time, I'll say it again. Anyone who gets a vasectomy at KCDPC <laughs> can come on for a Q&A episode. I think that's a good deal, and um, you know, if you don't want to go in and get a vasectomy, there's plenty of things that you can get um, from KCDPC. Um, it's a great, it's something I definitely believe in. Affordable healthcare um, with, you know, very good staff. Um, go in, just get a checkup. Get some if you need some lab work done. Go in, it's super affordable. But they have a bunch of different things that you can do. Just a wide, a wide array of of medical care that you don't have to deal with insurance. You can just 
pay pay your membership pay a fee, fee straight up there. and it's super affordable so definitely something that everyone should look into in the Kansas City area I agree with you kickoff uh, and kicking uh, so kickoff we kicked out of the back of the end zone I think honestly for this year since you're probably not practicing it as much just do that for us at the time let's not try to do coverage kicks just boot it out but our coverage was pretty good I mean, did they ever I think return? they had maybe a couple of returns I mean, that were... punt return they did. I thought we kicked it out. Every time? I think almost every time. Uh, I'm gonna I can't remember. I but it, it was fine. Kickoffs were good. But let's talk about Blanklet. Blake Lynch. First off, perfect on all extra points. But the man, one for one, 50-yarder that ended up being the game winner, especially after last week. You said it. So talk, t- walk me through your mindset when he went for that kick because for me i'm like no let's go for it i know it's going to be his career long but i i was like yes kick it you were not the same walk me through what was going through your head i wanted to go for it yeah walk me through the thought process um well it's just i didn't feel even if he made it even though you know our defense had been pretty i mean stout enough and was on a good run holding oklahoma with our comeback obviously i just hated the idea of giving oklahoma five minutes um basically to go get the the go-ahead score it just felt like coming off of you know last week where we had two minutes where we had to hold a team at home and we couldn't do it it just felt like we'd seen this so many times i don't want to put our defense in that position let's go fucking i mean i'm shocked because i think stupidly we were going for two earlier to really take the game by the horns which i did not understand never go for two unless you absolutely have to that's my mindset um, but I mean, if we were going to be aggressive enough to go for two with as much time left as we had, I didn't understand not going for it. Um, after, you know, Blake Lynch coming off a week where he really struggled. So were you confident when he lined up? Well, I cheated and I looked on Twitter. Oh yeah. Cause you're behind. <laughs> I'm like three plays behind. So for, you need to get an HD. I don't, honestly, antenna. I don't, it's nice to be able to see the oh, future. I hate that. I hate it. But I do too. I mean, there are times where it's like, I'm just going to put my phone down and we're going to, but if I get really stressed out, Derek is always like two full minutes ahead of me. So, um, I saw that he made it and I was like, all right, so here we go. That's on our defense. But I would have been shitting my pants had I been watching that live. Um, in my confidence, no disrespect to Blake, but coming off last, last game, I was, I would have been very worried. Yep. No, I, I loved it. I was confident. I, I think he's back to being elite. A return game, nothing really there for Youngblood or Brooks, but got another fucking block. A.J. Parker, this one. Uh, are we now punt block you? We're still special teams you. I mean, special teams won the game for us at the end. That's true. Uh, punt Punters, both guys punted three times. Uh, basically about the same. Bloomer, long of 42, average of 41. Zentner, uh, three, long of 45, average of 39. Uh, point seven. I'm not distinguishing the difference between the two. I'm fine with continuing to rotate until one of them really steps up as the alpha punter. Yeah, um, they're both pretty serviceable. Yep. Uh, let's grade our four keys to V. Uh, the first one, you had it. If OU's going to score, make them earn it. I mean, I can't recall any, like, enormous plays that they had for touchdowns. Did they really? The Stoops one was the kind of long, but they still had, I mean, it was still a long drive. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an eight. I, th- I think we did make them earn it. It was pretty much a bend, don't break throughout the entire game, and they had to kind of inch down the field for most of it. So I'll give them an A. Yeah, mine was establish something that resembles a running game. No, I'm, I'm giving us a D plus. I mean, you had over half your rushing yards on one play. Yes, we had some rushing touchdowns, but 
that's a failing grade. I agree. Um, still unable to get the ball going how we want to. Um, so, yeah, I'll give it a D plus as well. Uh, your next one, get to Spencer Rattler. I think this might be another A. This is an A. Um, I mean, you could te- you could absolutely see towards the end of the game when our defensive line was making ridiculous pushes that he was flustered, no doubt about it. I mean, he was leaving the pocket early. Um, he was making poor throws when he had time and when he had the ability to. I mean, he had a – the game ceiling interception, he missed a guy by like two yards, and he had he had the time to do it. So um, I'm giving it an A. Yeah, and the next one, B plus in the turnover margin to win the game. We're going to have to find a way to get extra possessions. We have to be plus and preferably with some margin, four to zero. That's an A fucking plus. That's an baby. A plus. It's an A plus. All right, um, feels good. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna try to hurry through the rest of this. This is already run long. We have a lot of good questions. Our post-game Ask Bosco questions are brought to you by BetOnline.ig. Again, they're our exclusive wagering partner and exclusive wagering partner of the entire Armchair Media Network. Be sure to get over there and take advantage of all their bonuses so you can cash in on your bets this season because Boneheads are the smartest and best-smelling podcast fans in the entire world. Ask Bosco questions. We're going to get into it. Remember to use the hashtag AskBosco. We had a lot of them. Um, I probably put too many of them in here, but we're gonna go. We're gonna go quick through these. Um, she, the good chef, Chef Andre Napier, asks, "How long will the Sa- Skyler Thompson hate last forever unless yeah. he wins a Big Twelve?" Cha- cha- I mean, cha- it is who these people are. They're not gonna change their tune. They can't look at him with any objectivity or nuance. Um, it is that is what it is. It will last forever. Yeah, Prez 04, have you bought your ticket to the Khalid Duke hype train? Yes, 100%. I did, yes. He's the best defensive Season tickets. 100%. The good chef comes back. Does Wyatt Hubert hate make some sense? Yes. I, I mean, chef was out there banging the drum after the sack for, uh, for yeah. Wyatt Hubert. And, again, a sack a game is a good clip. But two tackles in two games yeah, is not good. And the, the lack of discipline and these boneheaded plays um, that are backbreaking – I mean, it seems like every time he makes a mistake in terms of, like, a penalty, it's at the most inopportune moment. So, I mean, he's a junior now. He should be he should be leading his line. It's, yeah, no good. Yeah, I, I think he'll step up. I, th- I think hopefully this was a, um, you know, wake-up call. Jay Werner, 60. What is the final score of the K-State versus OU Big 12 championship game? Uh, we're going to play Texas, not Oklahoma. So, sorry. I like that. Uh, Prez 04, is this the biggest upset in Kansas State history? Vegas-wise, I think it is. I mean, 28-point dogs, yeah. When when have we won as 28? Last year was 21. I think this is the biggest upset in K-State history. I'm I'm for it. Nordy Jelson, what is the nickname combo for Deuce and Mosey? Oh, man. We'll have to come back to that. Yeah, we'll think about this for a while. Prez 04, where does Skylar Thompson rank all time after another top five win? Again, I think he's on the outside of the elite tier um, and probably still behind Jake Watt. I mean, I don't know. If, if Skylar can somehow get this team to seven or eight wins this year, I think he goes in front of Jake Waters, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, I would put him. <sighs> I mean, if wins are going to mean something, again, it's a short and Jake season. went nine and four. He didn't win a bowl. He didn't win. I mean, he won. In that season, he didn't win a bowl. He didn't win a conference championship. I mean, he passed for a hell of a what lot. Was, but what was Jake? I mean, Jake Waters beat a. What's bad Jake Waters' legacy? I mean, Jake Waters' legacy is he threw to Tyler Lockett and he had a gritty game at Oklahoma. But again, that Oklahoma team ended up maybe outside the top twenty-five. 
I think Jake Waters would have been. I mean, if if he wasn't playing under Bill, if he was, if Jake Waters was playing in this team, I don't know, like if he could be really good. But I mean, he doesn't. He he got he he, he is the pass. I, I don't know. He's he, a better passer than Skyler for but sure. Again, but like, he just didn't have. He didn't have the big, like a big enough win. Yeah. So I I, I don't know. I, I, I think put Skyler sixth or seventh. Yeah, I mean, he, again, behind. I think we did this last time. He's yeah. behind Bishop, behind Klein, behind Roberson, behind Beasley, um, and then he's like in, you know, probably around Chad May. Chad sure, May, I'm fine know. with it. So that's where we have him. I know other people have him around Carson yes. Kaufman. They're idiots, so that's fine. Maybe we're idiots for having him so high. I don't know. SL Keck, does Deuce Vaughn win Big 12 Newcomer of the Year? No, it's still probably going to be Spencer Rattler, but, I mean. Yeah, it'll be Rattler. I mean, because he's still good. Unless he's we go 9-1. and one. But Deuce Vaughn is the real deal. The good chef is back. Does this change your opinion on where we end the conference? Talk, ask that question next week. Yeah. Ask that question next week or Look, after TCU. I said I tweeted it yesterday, but I think the conference is wide open. I mean, we're 1-0 right now with Oklahoma behind us. Why not? Arlington should be the goal. Who cares? Yeah. It's I not agree. like we have to – road games aren't a factor really. Um, it's – the parity right now is as even as it's ever going to be. It's wide open. And we have Oklahoma behind us. Hashtag Arlington is the goal. Arlington or bust. Yeah. Why not? Dheimer won. Where does this rank as the greatest wins of all time? First win over a top three team. I'm going to add in, again, one of the biggest comebacks in the history of college football. We were talking about this before we hit record. I think it's impossible to properly rank this before we see what this season turns into. But, again, it's definitely top 10 or top 15 right now as is. Uh, it could get into the top ten, and I mean, God willing, just say think if we like go on a run and then win the Big Twelve, then all of a sudden it becomes a top five win of all time. Agree, one hundred percent. So currently, top fifteen, probably always going to be top twenty. Could get up to top five. Key SU one, very punny way to spell that. Uh, what do you think, uh, or why do you think Huber had trouble with the penalties today? I think he's. Just decide he's going all in on being boomer bust, and I don't think that's a good, uh, good formula. Agree, Mike Smith. If he stays healthy his Mike. entire career, on, where Mike. do you guys see Deuce finishing on K State all time rushing? Um, rushing, yeah, I don't know. We talked about this. If he all purpose could be very all purpose, high. he could be super high. I just think in the system we're a multi running back system, and his body type is going to limit his rushing yards. You're right. Uh, Brett Mori got two from him. Who starts quarterback next year? I still don't think Skyler's coming back. So, yeah, I think Will Howard is the leader in the clubhouse. I think it'll be Howard. Yeah. and then, then, But maybe. I don't know how but, good Rubley is. Yeah, we'll Rubley see what Rubley does when he gets here. Uh, Brett Mori won. Bega, biggest upset win since. I think it's all time. I think this is the biggest upset in the history of K-State sports. K-State yeah. football. 28-point dogs. I mean. This is the biggest upset in the history of Down 21, football. late in third. Come on. Biggest upset in the history of K-State football. Grant or Grant Leonard, 21. Or the biggest things the Cats can work on for the next game. I still think it's offensive line, uh, you know, and the power schemes. I think that is the biggest thing. And then uh, probably the wide receivers get more separation in their routes. But Penalties. I mean, yeah, penalties. That's a good one. But we did get hit with a very weak, unsportsmanlike penalty after that. Uh, that should not be. That, that shouldn't crap. exist. Let, you should be able to do whatever you want. Let players taunt and celebrate. I hate it. Big Kev J. 
What do you think about the decision to go for two? Was 35-34, do you agree with the call? I, I firmly believe that that play was called and they knew they were going to call it because they were looking for an uneven uh, uh, formation from Oklahoma to run a quick sprint-out option. They didn't see it. They took the delay of game or they were trying to get Lincoln Riley to call his final timeout. I personally do not believe that they were going to end up running that unless they had exactly what they wanted. I know you disagree. I mean, Kleiman, did you listen to his presser? I, I, th- I think that's BS. I don't think he wanted to show his hand. I think I don't think he wanted to say they were looking for a look or trying to get them to spend the timeout. I, I don't believe him. Um, I think he lied. Um, if he was going to go for it, I, I agree with you. I, I wanted to kick it, but, you know. Yeah, whatever. I hate the call. <laughs> Uh, Powercat Ryan has yes. a bunch. Is Lincoln Raleigh the next Paul Rhodes no. of bad losses? No. no. I mean, it's, these are good losses. K-State's gargantuan. Yeah. Um, will Deuce play in Manhattan three, four, or five? I'd say four. Four at uh, least. He's not going anywhere early. He's not going to go to the NFL. No, no, no. Early. Skyler has great career stats at K-State and now has the most top ten wins by a quarterback. What did Saturday do for his legacy? I mean, I As think sniffing just, around the top five. Yeah, I mean, he, he builds on it for folks that are willing to have an actual conversation. Um, for folks who detract from them, no, it does nothing. Nothing will ever be enough for them. If you had to find a negative in the way K-State football program is trending, what would it be? That's a good question. Yeah, uh, just there There seems to be one or two execution or uh, just blunder plays that don't – like the illegal formations, the uh, white Hubert penalties. I think that there still is a little bit of that. But, again, I live with that. I will live with – the trajectory, even if that never gets fixed. For the rest of Kleiman's time, I can live with that. Which unit made the biggest improvement from game one to game two? Secondary, secondary for me. Yeah, secondary. How did this team lose to Arkansas State? COVID, baby. It's a wild year. It's weird. Arkansas State's good. Yeah. We were rusty. We missed two field goals. I don't they know. They got a game, full spring practice. We haven't had anything. Also, where do they finish in the Big 12? Arkansas State. Fifth, sixth, uh, seventh, eighth. I, I don't know. know. They, uh, <laughs> they're well, pretty I mean, good. They have COVID too. I yeah, their KU sucks. I don't know about Tech. I mean, Tech might be better. I don't know. Who's the favorite in the Big Twelve now? K State. <laughs> no I think co- it's still Oklahoma. No comment. I think, I think it's, it's Oklahoma State. I mean, I think it's still Oklahoma. I do too, actually. Well, I mean, I think they're gonna get to Arlington. No doubt, yeah. and they'll win. Yeah, so, so it's Oklahoma. Yeah, Casey uh, had to play full sixty minutes in game one. OU pulled their starters at half in theirs. Is that a hidden aspect of the twenty-four-zero rally in the second half? Maybe, maybe. Cats are one and one as most expected, but with different game results. Are you more negative about the record because the lost Arkansas Arkansas State or positive about the record? I mean, positive. positive. We just beat OU. Fuck anyone who you could care is less. More negative. I mean. Could not care less. Yeah. yeah. If you told me, hey, you lose Arkansas State, you're embarrassed, but you're going to pull off that game versus Oklahoma, I'd take it every single fucking time. Anyone yeah. who wouldn't can fuck off. I've said that a couple times. <laughs> Old Man Rogers, KSU. How do you compare starting one and one with a win versus OU instead of, I mean. Yeah, the exact same. I'll take it. Old Man Rogers, how do you rank the last five wins over OU? 03, 12, 14, 19, 20. So I would go probably. 03, 19, 20. Oh, shit. 12. Oh, shit. 03, 12. 14 is last. Yeah. 20 right now is last. 
because I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of this year. Really? Yeah. I'd say 14 is last. I don't care about that game. I don't even think about oh, that Oh, no, game. no. I meant 14 is last. 03-12-19-20-14. Yeah, that's right. Uh, P. Manual 50. Will this lead to a good game against Texas Tech? Seems like confidence was growing as the game went on. Maybe. Maybe. Two teams <laughs> coming together after very emotional games. Yeah. It'll be an interesting, interesting game. No idea. We may not even play them. Yeah, who knows? Um, Eddie underscore EG3. After two block punts to start the season, how many more can this special teams unit get? They'll get one more is my prediction. That's probably a good call. Gordon12, Jake. Uh, was this enough to shut up the Skyler haters? No. No, it never will be enough. KSU Railroader, how, <clears throat> with how good some of these young players are looking, how good are the Cats going to be after four full recruiting cycles? Good. National champ. Yep. National champs. SL Keck, who's to blame for the illegal formation calls? The quarterback. And, honestly, I, the receivers. The I players are to blame. I don't think it's on the quarterback. I mean, Is it I, on the receiver it's that's on, in yes, it's the illegal the, formation? Yes, it's on the wide receiver or the tight end. He should be able to see that, though, right? The quarterback. Maybe. I mean, he, he, he's looking to make sure that the player is set so you don't have an illegal uh, or illegal shift. He's not then trying to look out to the wide receiver. I don't know. I think that's on the wide receivers. Derek Litke, last question. Will Coach Kleiman lead us to a national championship? No. Yes. I love it. All right, time to get into week two game balls. For those of you who are new, we both have two game balls to give away, one offensive, one defensive player. You can substitute special teams player and a swagger sticker for just an additional award. We can't give two awards to the same players, uh, at least Grant can't and I can't, but someone can get a game ball from Grant and a sticker from me, et cetera, et cetera. Grant, kick us off. Who is getting your first game ball? Um, I'm going to give it to Trevastin Taylor. Um, Whoa! Offensive game ball goes to Taylor. I'm just excited for him to have busted out and to take the lead as our wide receiver one. He got us into the end zone first, kicked it off, kicked off the scoring, and you know gave us a chance to to get going. Mine's going with Skyler, of course. I'm I'm banging the Skyler Thompson drum. Uh, any chance I get, I'm going to give him my game ball. Who's getting your game ball number two? J Mac. Um, Three enormous plays um, that really kind of changed changed the outlook of the game. Um, he forced two turnovers, forced an, an incredible drop that would have been a first down on third down. Um, J-Mac, big-time bounce back from um, week one, so I'm very, very pumped for him. Yeah, mine's going to Khalid Duke. I think he's the real deal on defense. He is the best defensive end on the team. And give me your swagger sticker. The deuce is loose. Um, I mean, it was going to go to Skyler, but come on. Deuce Vaughn. He needs some sort of an award. He's going to get an award every week maybe. Um, but mean, the dude has legit swag. Um, I'm excited. I think the ceiling is pretty high for him. And um, I'm, he's just so fun to watch. And it's, it's always fun to watch um, – youth play like when you have new guys busting in but deuce fawn is really grabbing the grabbing this um football team by the horns and um without him yesterday we don't win i mean he he's fun he's really really fun he's got some i love the double twos i love him yeah he's awesome mine's going to blake lynch again coming back from that game uh, versus Arkansas State to a 50-yard game winner for the brand. That is swagger right there. I got to give a shout-out to Zentner. You're right. 
they did do some of the returns because Zentner got a freaking tackle. Yeah, he did. Shout out to Zentner. So that's our pod. We went long, but guys, it was an exciting game. We had a lot to talk about. Uh, Thank you for sticking around. Send this to all your friends. Listen to it three or four times, um, especially if it's before September. Literally before the end of September, just hit play on Spotify and let everything play through. Yeah, let's uh, cheat the system and everybody listen to this multiple times. Just play it overnight. Do what you have to do. Make us a little more money. Thank you very much. Um, Do you have anything that you want to say? I just want to say I love everyone, and uh, winning is a lot more fun than losing. Um, and this was one of the biggest wins in K-State football history. Don't let stupid narratives get in the way of it. It was one of the biggest comebacks, one of the biggest upsets in college football this century. Again, don't let other people's stupid narratives try to detract from what an amazing win this was. Yeah, it was great. I hope that we can carry this momentum into the next four games because we have a chance here to maybe – Let's open win. up a little bit of a gap. Let's win next week. I would and like then to we'll just win next week it. also. Um, feels good. Happy fall, everybody. Happy Monday. Meet me at the Cathead.
Sports Social Podcast Network.